Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. This is Coy Jodro from Collider Heroes, and I am here to tell you DC fans to check out the latest live action series, Titans. It is available now on the DC Universe, and new episodes are streaming every single Friday. Now, this is the first original series to launch on the DC Universe, and it's the Titans you know from the comics, and the Titans follow a young group of superheroes, Robin, Starfire, Raven, Beast Boy, and others, and it's a gritty take on the Teen Titans. Now, I want you to join the ultimate DC membership and you get more info at dcuniverse.com. Check out Titans. It's rad. We have lost uh, Stanley this week and we'll be paying tribute to him and all that he's done for us today. But we also have a lot of exciting news in the world of superheroes and a very special guest, Corinne Walters, a.k.a. Jason Todd, is going to be joining us. Welcome to Collider Heroes. <sighs> so, this week, first, hello, Hi. DJ. I'm Kern Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Todd, just, thank you for joining us today. How I'm does a lot it feel? taller in person. <laughs> This and is our the good buddy. Yeah. DJ Woldridge uh, oh. is here with us this week. Uh, and we dedicated a chunk of time to this. Shall we start out with just a moment of silence for an unparalleled icon in the comic book universe? Yeah. So we want to take today to thank Stanley for all that he's done for the lives he's impacted, the insane, unparalleled amount of influence he's had on all of our lives, on pop culture, on the world, on what he did for decades. And uh, we lost him this week. He was 95. He's going to be 96 next month. And, I mean, 95. It's a good run. And like, yeah. what a run. Yeah, that's a good clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we, we're going to get to experience him in movies forever. We're going to yeah. have more cameos coming up. We're going to live with Stan forever because at the end of the day, he is immortal through us. Every book you read, every time you see Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, like there's, there's so much that he left for us. And I think that what we can appreciate there is like how much that, that means. I mean, he, he had his first stuff at like 39 in, in the Marvel realm. And to start there yeah. and just run for 40 years is so let's try and completely fail to uh, <laughs> summarize the life of Stan Lee. Uh, you should all know his name, and one of the great victories of his life would be that most of you actually do. Uh, in an era where people didn't get that much credit for their work, where a lot of things were disposable, he was uh, probably one of the first in American comic book publishing to really succeed at making creators' household names. And that was something he did very intentionally, um, crafting nicknames, crediting mm. inkers, uh, uh, trying to front and center, bragging about the accomplishments of his staff in the bullpen bulletin. Uh, his accomplishments, he achieved as much in sort of making people aware of comics, creating a sense of community, hyping up the things that they were doing, uh, uh, almost as much as he did in his creative contributions as the uh, central figure in the most revolutionary era of Marvel Comics. And he valued intelligence and making comics smart. And I also love that he leaned into, like, we won't dumb this down. It's not just for kids. Let's use this language. Let's make this the mighty Marvel manner. Let's have these things be about family, but also about the next thing and the next thing. And, and I think that for the time, that was so unheard of. And Stan's soapbox and the things that he stood for long, long ago that are still relevant today, the man did so much. Uh, the, the evening with Stan Lee that happened last year, Stan Lee was on stage for near three hours, and yeah. everyone else rotated in and out. And Stan Lee was going for three three hours the man was 94 years old and he was out energizing everyone in that room the man's contagious zeal was so palpable and he was honored from everyone from from wu-tang to lou ferrigno to, it was just the most magical night to see that much influence and have a 94 year old handle a stage for three hours and I, I i got to meet him at that that night and to meet a hero to that level was was such an honor and you got to work with them and he got to touch so many lives
lives directly and indirectly, but always with such an energy and such a zeal and such a fervor. And that's, that's something that really impacted me is as a kid to see someone so excited about his job. Like yeah. he was just always the most passionate and it never, ever wavered. Not once. Every YouTube video, every clip, that man loves the world and he loves you. And that's so powerful. That's so important. He had one setting and it was a hundred percent. So he was born in 1922. Uh, his parents were immigrants. He grew up in New York City. Uh, he got a job, some accounts say via his uncle, uh, but working for his cousin's husband, a guy named Martin Goodman, uh, in 1939 uh, at the company that would someday be Marvel Comics. Uh, a couple years later, the guy who hired him, Joe Simon, left the company. Uh, Joe Simon, of course, co-created with Jack Kirby of Captain America. Uh, Stanley becomes interim editor and never really leaves. He serves in World War II for a couple of years. Uh, comes as back as playwright. As playwright. His official title. That's one of only a few. Like what is it? Like six people yeah, only ever got 10. that. Yeah, only got that title. Yeah. Official playwright. Yeah. Army. He comes back and is the editor in chief for the next several decades of Marvel uh, and has the the big creative revolution of the the sixties at Marvel. Uh, the invention of the bullpen, uh, the creation of the fan clubs, and of course, the co-creation of some characters you might have heard of. <laughs> Everyone. The Avengers, <laughs> the Incredible Hulk, the Amazing Spider-Man with Steve Ditko, uh, all of the ones, if I don't say a name, it's Jack Kirby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, X-Men, obviously, big one for me. Fantastic Four really kicked off so much of that time and, and what those comics are now, and that's that's... I mean, what what didn't he at least have a piece of? Like he did, he collaborated or was uh, was at the forefront. Like Marvel mm -hmm. Comics as a whole, like the the list is literally like. I, when I looked at it, I was like, what didn't he have a piece of? Pretty much nothing. Doctor Strange with Steve Ditko, uh, Daredevil with uh, Bill Everett. He he kept writing Spidey and FF for like a solid hundred issues. Uh, only gave those up when he uh, became just full time editor in 1972. <laughs> Kept running Marvel from New York until about 1980 or 81, where he moved out west to work on the DV and movie deal side of things, but continued to be the ambassador for Marvel for many, 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 many years. And this was in the time of the clean-cut hero in the in the not every man. It was the opposite of every man. Like they they did not want to approve Spider-Man because spiders are icky. So he put it in the last issue of a canceled title. <laughs> Amazing Fantasy was over. Amazing Fantasy 15 had Spider-Man in it because nobody trusted him to have this puny Peter Parker as a Spider, and then that outsold everything. So suddenly we got Amazing Spider-Man number one six months later because they had to get the numbers back because <laughs> the internet was far from a thing. So they had to wait to hear it was gangbusters, and then it outsold, and then they got the numbers back, made Amazing Spider-Man, and that changed comics, period, hard stop. And this was a man who, like, shoehorned that into a canceled run. No, like, it a, was over. There's a famous story that uh, when he was working on, on Spidey and FF, uh, that his wife, Joan Lee, who unfortunately predeceased him, uh, passed away last year after, I think, 70 years yeah. of marriage. Uh, she, that apparently when he was just before the Marvel Revolution, that when he was pitching books, she said essentially, look, you've been doing this for so long. He was getting kind of burned out. Just write the kinds of books you feel like writing. Why not? What have you got to lose? Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, what he had to gain was immortality. Yeah. yeah. And he, and he worked at, he did some like imagine if Stanley invented this DC character. He, mm -hmm. he did DC stuff. He was integral to the, the amalgam thing happening. He also, like, now he's known as the guy that cameos in every movie, but that is really a testament to the foundation he built for comics like in general like the concept of comic books i can't think of anyone that's as big of a hype man while doing the influential work in the writing process while going around making these things popular and was still involved in his 70s and getting the movies started like in the early 2000s stanley's in x-men one stanley's walking on the beach and takes a hot dog from a hot dog stand in the year 2000 stanley was doing cameos 18 years ago Stan stanley's in mall rats as stanley talking about the things junk stanley Stanley has been a fixture of our world for so long that people, some people, I feel like, don't realize like how how impactful. It's a very huge loss, but also a celebration of 95 years that were lived, yeah. like to to accomplish a tenth of this. Yeah, it's just so much. 
And he leaves, like any human, a complicated legacy in some ways because he lived through so many eras of history. And we have, like, we will spend the rest of our lives talking about the, the behind-the-scenes stories of what happened exactly. But it is beyond contestation that the man has left a, an incomparable mark. Uh, he, he invented Black Panther before the Black Panthers. <sighs> the <Yeah>. Black Panthers... <laughs> were a movement after Black Panthers. They changed it to Black Leopard for a while because they didn't <laughs> want to be associated. Black Panther was this man, like him and a team. But Stan Lee invented this back then. And to have Wu-Tang come out, RZA was at his event and basically came out and spoken word wrapped a thing that was beautiful and poetic and sounded like Martin Luther King. And then it was like, oh, that was Stan Soapbox, 1968. Like... What this man did. Um, I have loved people have been sharing this week a lot of the old bullpens and soapboxes, uh, bullpen bulletins and soapboxes uh, where he was very outspoken on the issue of that. I think that one of the ones going around this week says a, com- um, a story without a message is like a man without a soul. Hmm. Uh, that he, you know, outspoken against bigotry, outspoken against hate, uh, love over hate always. And there was that humanism that uh, filled all of his stories. Uh, the the, the 60s Marvel are known as, often as sort of uh, heroes with feet of clay because the big innovation that they worked on together was the sort of flawed, relatable heroes. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it, there, there's so much poetry to those old books. He was legit a great writer, as much as, like, the he get, shares credit with the incredible artists who were doing a lot of the plotting and working yeah. with him on those like, I will go to bat for actual old Stan and Jack comics every single day. Taught me so many words. So many strange 60s words yeah. and just, like, his, his vernacular. Yeah. Yeah, his vernacular was so, like, what is that? So many words, and most of them were real words. Yes, many, <laughs> many, many of them were words. actual words. And several of the ones that weren't are now. Yeah, exactly. Because Stan... Uh, what, any favorite memories? Or? Uh, I actually got to uh, meet him. I, I got to do a shoot with him when I was over at SourceFed. Um, and I remember my first exposure to him as a kid was, uh, I think it was a failed pilot that, that people uh, turned into a VHS that I got as a kid where he did the introduction hmm. um, and the outro of the episode. I think it eventually became... Uh, the 90s cartoon, but the lineup was like Dazzler and Wolverine in his brown costume and stuff like that. Um, and so that was my his voiceover. Right, the X Men. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I think like it came with an action figure I bought or something. Um, and I still have the VHS. But anyway, he did the voiceover on it, um, and so that was my first exposure uh, uh, to him. And then I got to meet him. So it was like three or four years ago. So he's still well into his 90s, uh, and he was super energetic. If you look at the picture I posted, the picture he looks better in the picture than I do. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, and so it's 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 he was he was really good at uh, being an advocate uh, for comics, like you said, um, uh, helping people understand uh, the people behind it, and a lot of credit to the people he chose to work with, people like Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby, um, creating because I, I think it, it's fair to say that none of them separate made anything like what they made together. You know what I mean? The magic like, they made together. Yeah, the, the, the stuff that they made working together is still the stuff that we're talking about um, uh, today. So it was, it's, it, was a, it was a nice, like, what's oh, lightning in a bottle situation at that, at that early Marvel. And uh, that idea, like, I, I, somebody, I was reading an article, there's a, a lovely uh, Daily Beast article that actually is a tribute to him while also being open and honest about his complicated, let's say, relationship with his collaborators. Um, and they compared him to the idea of being an advocate for comics and and branding and getting it out there to Walt Disney, which was an interesting thing to think about that that he might have the same impact as as somebody because uh, Walt Disney Walt Disney's been was long dead before I was born, so you you don't think of him that that person's already like calcified into pop history. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It'd be it's interesting to think about uh, Stanley in the same light. You know to live I mean? in the time of the Titan yeah, instead yeah. of after, yeah. Uh, and also, this is the only place where it, it feels very appropriate to mention. Uh, I went to the evening with Stan Lee working for Wizard Magazine to cover the event, and John Schnepp made sure that I had the absolute best experience I could, and John was speaking at the event, and John, like, pulled me into the green room against security's wishes. Like, nah, he's cool, he's cool. Yeah. And, like, it was the I had a different time because of John, and I got to interact with Stan so much more because of John. So, um 
on this show, I wanted to mention that thanks to yeah. John Snap, John Schnepp, I got to meet Stan in a capacity that I never would have, and actually got to t- I got to hear Stan Lee say Excelsior and thwip with me because of John, and that that is I forever grateful. Um, but Stan, uh, I also I <laughs> the nineties animated Spider Man cartoon yeah, yeah, yeah. at the end they do that thing where they're like you were invented by this man Stan Lee and he like climbs up the wall and then you like meet animated Stan Lee yeah. I think that was the first time as a kid that I acknowledged creators because yeah, yeah. I was maybe six seven yeah. uh, and so I was really young and the idea that someone wrote a character and then to see them drawn was just like. It was like seeing behind the, the, the Wizard of Oz. Like, there's yeah. someone that did. So that was really important to me and impactful. So I realized that creators make these things. So Stan was kind of the first figure of that type in general for me. Yeah. And for a lot of people. And it was something back to the 60s that they, they were weaving him and Jack into the backgrounds of things and giving them little scenes or doing uh, when Marie Severin passed there uh, was a, a wonderful story that she illustrated that was like him and I think Ramita like in one of the annuals there was just a short story about how they write Spider-Man which was like a goofy thing about them coming up with plots. Yeah. Um, and you know a lot of the the mythologizing that's arisen about like jumping on tables to describe what he wanted to happen Um, but they're really he really played that like he was the the leadership role in the 60s like he was personally recording messages for the Mary Marvel Marching Society they invented. Yeah. Um, he and Flo Steinberg together were like working on all of this fan outreach stuff that started to make comic book fans. Well, not st- many of them already felt like a community, but it transformed that sense, expanded that sense, uh, and just made people aware of it. And like one of the, one of the great, I think, joys that we get to know that he saw was that. It's also frequently discussed that early on in life, like he wondered if comics were particularly valuable. Mm-hmm. He wanted to do something more respectable. He used a pen name because he still wanted to save his real name for writing the great American novel. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then in the 60s, he got to see as Marvel became this massive hit, uh, he started getting invited. He always mentioned starting to get invited to colleges to speak yeah. um, and to, to, to answer sophisticated questions about the work they were doing. And he sort of got to see like slowly over decades that respect and awareness grow for the stuff that he did and he never lost the people and that that was one thing that i always appreciated that he he grew to that size and beyond in the 70s he was like on the posters in the 80s he was on every set and like the pictures of thor and the hulk in the 90s he started the movie wave into the 2000s he was in the movies and cameos like stan lee has been a piece of all of these things but at the end of the day there's all these stories going around like someone yelling out thanks for the hulk and him being like just for you <laughs> and he always meant it no. and that was the most amazing thing is when any of us met him we all felt like it was just for us no. and that impact it was direct and you got a correlation between you and this man and he never lost that fire that passion he lived it 100 percent. and i only briefly met him but it was absolutely he was he was exactly like you expected only better mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and warm and the energy is is like when you're in a room with someone that larger than life it changes your entire worldview it changes how you see the potentiality for the world and it just this always makes me want to be a better person and do more so at losing stan is is uh, really hard and our hearts go out to his daughter, uh, who is currently mourning him, and his other family, uh, and to the whole world that is mourning him with us. Yeah. So create, uh, be, be better, and always remember that these creators are people, and they, they make amazing stuff for you, and, and just keep learning and growing and... Yeah, for, for Stan. And maybe go out there and tell someone that the next thing you're doing is the best thing that has ever been done. Because why not? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That's what be, he did for 70 years. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just be proud of the things that you're doing. Because I, I, I can't get over the fact that on so many of those covers he'd be like, this character will blow your mind and change the world. Yeah. And it's like, he was right. <laughs> like, not every time, but sometimes. Yeah. Dead on. If you only read one issue this month, uh, blow yeah. the Mighty Marvel Manor. Like, yeah, yeah. every hyperbole landed yeah. enough. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, don't, I. It's funny that we, the world we see, like, we're shaping Stan, and you go very, like, uh, chronological, I go very anecdotal, and that's, like, he did so much that it works. Like, our, yeah. our way of eulogizing both, like, lands, because such a larger-than-life figure, like, you have a, a tangible piece of something, you have a timeline perspective, I have anecdotal, and that's a world, that's a life that was led, that's that's beautiful. And I don't think we've said it, but Stan the Man, Lee, <laughs> yeah. uh, is who we're talking about. 
Well, Excelsior, and, and on to the world he built, and that leads us directly into our happier announcement of the week. Uh, Disney Plus has a title. It's, it's Disney Plus. Oh, snap. And that's because of Stan Lee, I think, gets a lot of credit. I know we talked about Disney, but the Marvel Universe being what it is, I'm going to give a lot of credit to Stan Lee building Marvel and turning Disney Plus into what it is. What is Disney Plus all about? <laughs> Disney Plus is the official name for Disney's streaming service, which will be launching by the end of next year. Um, we got that much of a date on an investor phone call this week. Uh, I wasn't on the phone call. I'm not a stockholder. <laughs> but I hear uh, that we got some more concrete a lot of the rumored plans. We got some exciting uh, announcements that don't fit in our show, but Star Wars! Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and they confirmed the Loki series on that phone call, um, followed by excited social media from Loki and possibly Jamie Alexander. That's very exciting. Um, who just tweeted a picture of Sif with mood, uh, and it might have been that she just felt like fighting, or it might be exciting Loki-related Interesting, news. yeah, because she, she popped in on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show a couple times. No. She also didn't get dusted. No. She, she did, th- that we know of. I think she did and Valkyrie didn't, but... We didn't see her in Ragnarok. I feel like they gave an interview that said that... that mm. Well, if you don't see it, it didn't happen. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, uh, if I don't see Even it... Even if you see it, go, sometimes it didn't sometimes happen. Yeah, and also she didn't show up at all for Ragnarok. Right. Yeah. The Warriors so. 3 were the Warriors less, yeah. and then therefore... So I think that she's alive. I, I'm going to hold on to that, because she was the best. No. She is. Yes, accurate. Uh, and now I'm on Corey's continuity. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and Disney Plus also has National Geographic. It's got a few like unexpected things I didn't think would be coming out of it. Uh, I hope hope they do a thing where there's comics on the app. I really hope that they follow DC's very, very, very smart lead, and they have an ability to dive into the world that these shows and movies come from. We're getting exclusive content, and we're also getting, hopefully, more of the foundation of the things they're taking off Netflix. They did confirm that Disney stuff will be coming off of other streaming, so that (gasps) should be fun for everybody else's services to deal with. Back to cable, buying one of everything. (laughs) You're used to it. Uh, any Disney Plus stuff excite you specifically? Uh, you know, I'm interested to see how the Marvel shows uh, pan out. I think of the shows, the Loki one excites me least because we've seen the most of him. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he's been in three Thor movies, two Avengers movies. Like, I'm more interested to see maybe Scarlet Witch or, or the, the, uh, the hypothetical. Road trip of suspense. Yeah, yeah. like uh, mm-hmm. Bucky, Falcon, all that stuff. Uh, that's mostly where. My, and I'm also, inter- I'm also interested to see how it affects the, the Defenders Netflix shows, how it affects, like, uh, you know, they're 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 going to be. Le- I mean, I think the writing's on the wall. Even the shows that aren't canceled yet are probably going to be leaving Netflix, and to see if there's any chance of any them being reincorporated somehow into uh, actual MCU continuity, <laughs> not just hypothetically. Like <laughs> the incident. Hey, remember the green guy? Yeah, we remember the green guy. Like, what is? <laughs> he's memorable. Yeah, he's, he destroyed a part of your city. Like, yeah, you know, remember when aliens attacked the city? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I'm surprised you guys don't bring it up more. <laughs> like, it's in the background in yeah. a photo, sir. Uh, yeah, it's like I feel like I feel like it would kind of affect how you all do things, but whatever. Um, <laughs> So I'm interested to see because because I, I like those characters a lot and I think they they nailed the casting of those characters a lot. So I'm interested to see if they're just going to have them hibernate or they might try and see them in. I I also it's has it been confirmed that the tone of the Disney app it's like all kids stuff. I don't think it's been confirmed. Young adult. I, I really hope nothing adult. Nothing adult. <laughs> no cursing. No Marvel Knights. Uh, I really hope personally, and it's it's possible there's like that thing where you just type in your age and every kid lies like i hope there's that like i'm over 18 types in age like on beer website uh but i i don't think that they should exclude the deadpool world i don't think they should exclude the things that are money makers but it's interesting because they're doing the pg-13 deadpool to kind of test the waters to see if that's something they could do you know what i mean so i i I don't know i hope that those characters um can find uh, a second life in integrated in those shows or maybe we see instead of just seeing spinoffs of characters we've seen in the movie see like hey why not bring blade back you know what i mean like uh uh let's do moon knight let's do characters we haven't you haven't used yet 
that don't really have stories in that world yet. So but both of those characters you just mentioned, I'd be worried about being too Disneyfied. You know, like yeah. that's the concern. Is I well, hope they can have that age bracket because Moon Knight uh, as a PG or Blade as a PG, like you know, uh, we could do a tough. power pack show. Yeah, and and it's that like the the people I'd really like to see them keep, like you know, like uh, Judy Dench's M. Like I, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that we're breaking free continuity. She was great. We're keeping her. <laughs> uh, Charlie Cox's Daredevil, specifically John Bernthal's Punisher. I just yeah. don't think you can do better. Yeah. Uh, and how would you ever even come do Punisher at all in in the MCU that we have? You know what I mean? How does yeah. that character exist? Um, so I will be curious if there is sort of a like uh, thing that we once would have called Miramax esque uh, corner of yeah. Disney stuff for that streaming service because certainly like. Uh, they will probably want to mark the the completely family friendly material separately from like the sort of teen friendly material yeah. um, and the theoretical space that they could make for more adult stuff. Um, I think we've previously heard that like previous rumors had indicated that some of that stuff might stay on other services like their stake in Hulu or something like that. Um, but this our content is coming off of other streaming services. Yeah. I wonder if it includes that or. Well, and Hulu is an interesting case because they own a majority. Sheriff Hulu, so it is kind of their uh, Runaways is safe. Yeah, I think they've I think, got well, like that little corner, and they own Freeform. Cool. <laughs> I like Runaways. It's fine. But I want Punisher. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that Punisher couldn't exist in a tamed down version. I agree, and I think his long form format definitely suits it. Yeah. So I think that world of characters, if Disney Plus can do a thing where they do Miramax, like Kevin Smith had Miramax, like that yeah. was a corner that was not Disney, but it was Disney, and yeah. Kevin Smith being a a very trusted element that could turn into this yeah it's yeah it's interesting because i i have a feeling those shows are going to go the same way as um the iron man's and the caps where it's like they're gonna die at the end of avengers 4 we're gonna let those brands rest for five to ten years and then they're back with new actors you let people forget and then you bring them back so it's like we'll we'll i I feel like kevin feige feels like he can do the waiting game like hey those can go away in five to ten years i can introduce a new daredevil and a new punisher and a new whatever and it'll be part of my world here's reborn the return with john cena's yeah because if kevin feige doesn't have his his fingers in it it doesn't it's not part of the main mcu it just isn't (laughs) and, and that's curious do you think that kevin feige will like so the the only good thing that we might get out of losing the beautiful Netflix versions of those characters is that if they come back, maybe they are things he has his hands in more directly. Yeah, I would imagine that the, if if you want it to count as if you want to see Daredevil hang out with Spider Man, Kevin Feige needs to have a say in it. That's and just that's just the way that that it appears from the outside. That just appears to be how things. I'm gonna work. maybe unpopular opinion here and say that if Kevin Feige brought Punisher in as a foil character in a an otherwise PG-13 movie, I think he could pull it off well remember because i've read comics dark knight, is, dark knight is pg-13 so you can get away with a lot and and the the marvel netflix shows don't push the envelope that much really they don't curse they don't nobody's dropping f-bombs and there's no nudity you know what i mean so you yeah, know, like american PG-16. media it's just, it's just super violent yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean that's okay <laughs> we can see a guy get his head chopped off it's there's no fine. boobies yeah <laughs> no boobies and no curse and everything's Definitely fine one of those things will mess you up and the other one is not sure yeah yeah sure. but yeah but i think I, I i i like those characters i really want to see daredevil hang out with spider-man uh so just make that whatever makes that happen <laughs> it is interesting though because like as a side character in their stories i think he works really well that way but i do share your reservations in terms of telling his own stories about like how that works best with punisher yeah yeah well because the i think my favorite ver- i mean greg rucka's run on punisher is great and that's mm. more of a hard pg-13 but like the garth ennis like the character's a monster. Like, like even even when he's the good guy, like he's terrifying. You yeah. know what I mean? My thing is the long form aspect. So Disney Plus allows for long form. That's why I'm excited for the Bucky Falcon show. That's yeah. why I'm excited for these characters that we can. It's like a comic. You can have these episodes. Sure, they've got to be ha- talking about a Shuri show, right? Oh, they, they must. To. They At must. least having a conversation After about Black it. After Black Panther two, yeah, I hope that's their first to. announcement. Come on, that like, not already a thing. Yeah, like like that should like just the the way that character uh, hit it off. Like that has to be a part of the conversation that happened. But anyway, you're saying you were saying and the Mbaku show. And yeah, the, yeah. Uh, but the the thing about the long form is a lot of these characters suit that better. Like Punisher, yeah. I think lives in in thirteen hours better than two because he is either a one note villain or nuanced. Yeah. And I think the long form is what that is. And that's the only thing I'm worried about Disney Plus is them giving the characters that Netflix gave the chance the chance slash crossover. Because yeah. I don't know. I love Punisher with Spider-Man, but I don't know if he'll be as interesting if he's just the villain in 
20 minutes of screen time. Um, So I I don't know what this is going to be. Obviously, it's way too soon to tell, but we know it's next year, late next year, and we know that it has lots of really cool stuff. I didn't expect National Geographic. Also, didn't expect to get that excited. I want to flip through (laughs) Jaguars and stuff. Amy here talking to all of you DC fans. You must check out Titans. It's the latest live-action series from DC and the very first original series on the DC Universe streaming service. It premiered on October 12th. There are new episodes available to stream every Friday. And Titans obviously follows the characters you know and love in versions you've never seen before. Dick Grayson, Raven, Starfire, Beast Boy, a whole constellation of wonderful guests on Titans. Uh, all getting caught up in a conspiracy to bring about hell on earth. Uh, In the process, they will become a surrogate family, form a team of heroes, and become the family we know and love. It's a gritty take on the Teen Titans franchise from executive producers Akiva Goldsman, Jeff Johns, Greg Berlanti, Greg Walker, Sarah Schechter, and John Fawcett. It explores one of the most storied legacies in comics, one of the most popular comic book teams ever, And it's available only on DC Universe, on all your favorite devices for only $7.99 a month or 20% off a yearly membership. Join the ultimate DC membership at DCUniverse.com. They own everything. Get used to it. Speaking of Disney, (laughs) and speaking of owning everything, they also have a special Xbox that we will be giving away on, well, not we, because we don't do that network, but Collider Games, those guys are giving away a very special Xbox, which I will reveal in this moment with Amy. I am very excited. We have we have so much on today's episode, so thank you for rolling with us, but we are really excited to share this with you. So you need to go to the Collider Games podcast, subscribe there to find out how you can win this very awesome thing that we know what it is, but I don't know what it looks like. <laughs> Just trying to not be upset about things early. But look, we got. Oh, oh my god. Okay, so it's bright red. That is the beginning excitement. We legit haven't seen it yet. We're very excited. Alright. Oh, this way. This oh, way. This oh, way. oh, that's pretty. Okay, so. Camera right here gets to see the beauty as we do. Look at that. Oh, it's so beautiful. I can't stand it. What oh, even the actual. Machine is beautiful. Look at this. This is a custom Incredibles 2 uh, Xbox One X. So it's ready for your 4K gaming. One terabyte hard drive, I assume. So you can frame this on the wall, hide the plugs, and then play it because it's art that should also be played. This is gorgeous. Oh, my God. Uh, So all the ports here, all the art here, theoretical Xbox in here. I love um, this machine. Absolutely beautiful, this. Oh, my gosh. Uh, this is courtesy us to you via you checking out the Collider Games podcast to find out how to win it because we, unfortunately, do not get to keep it. We have to give it away. Still my favorite Fantastic Four. <sighs> right there. Speaking there they of- go. <laughs> Certain immortal influences. So go to Collider Games, check out their podcast on how to win this before I do. I'm just going to keep showing you the front because it's so beautiful. I can't stand it. Where's the Collider Games podcast? It's on the internet. So go to Podcast One, go to Collider Games, look up through those guys. Uh, Dennis Zhang, you know very well, he does that jazz. Dorian, friend of the show, all those guys. Check out Collider Games podcast. Subscribe to find out how to win this beauty. And of course, Incredibles 2 is now available on Blu-ray. And we'll be giving away an entire Incredibles set along with this Xbox. Ooh. So we also have some My Mutations today, along with all of our big news. It was a quite the week in the world of comic books. So the very first one I want to let you drop, because this is very much your forte. Very exciting news in the world of indie comics. I'm stealing the Xbox off screen. You can't tell. <laughs> uh, a mysterious Mamie Dallin won it. Who thought that that would be the What case? a crazy thing. She's so uh, enthusiastic. Our very first Mind of Mutation is some big, big news for our very favorite indies. Uh, Grant Morrison has signed an overall deal uh, and is bringing The Invisibles, his famous Vertigo book, to television. And in addition, uh, I, it broke too late uh, for me to add it, but I have to pair these guys because... Just people you need to know, people you need to look out for. Jeff Lemire, architect of the Black Hammer universe with Dean Ormston, has just signed over with Legend 
legendary, a massive deal to develop the Black Hammer universe for movies and television. So if you are reading Independence and really interesting takes, uh, this is an amazing news week for you. Read Indies, because studio heads are very important. Uh, Batman has been confirmed by Cameron Monaghan. You may know him as the Joker. We all do. On Gotham, Batman is coming officially. I'm very excited about it. Uh, we have our first look at Superman and Lois Lane's in their DC TV incarnations, and it is a very beautiful and familiar setup. And the Watchmen TV series has its Ozymandias, and it's a good one. The voice and face of Jeremy Irons will be delivering those masterful lines of dialogue. I can't wait to hear it. That was so specific. I love his voice and his look separately, you know, so I'm like, it's going to be good. That's fair. Uh, Venom is gobbling up the world. Uh, a massive opening weekend in China brings it to a $700 million worldwide box office. Oh, my God money. Captain Marvel is officially set in 1995. Why that might matter, and what a good year that was. Remember Flare Ultra? 1995. <laughs> I didn't think you'd bring it to trading cards, and now I need them to be in the movie somehow. Uh, Avengers Infinity War has a purported current runtime of three hours. Yes. Are you ready? Do you hope they cut it down? Do you hope they don't cut it down? I hope they extend it. I want Return of the King endings. I want eight endings. I want four-hour movies for Avengers. Uh, the next Spider-Man PS4 DLC officially comes out November 20th, and we know what it's called and who's in it. We'll talk about that. And we, the hardcore fans of the comic book universe, lost somebody else this week. Unfortunately, John Rogers, longtime president of San Diego Comic-Con, passed away. So our guest of the week, good sir, DJ, yeah. what would you like to talk about most from those minor mutations? Oh, my gosh. What was I like, the, the, Superman, I like the Superman picture. I'm a big fan of that um, just because I, I dig it. I, love, I dig Tyler Hecklin's Superman, uh, and I'm really excited for that cross, crossover because it seems nuts. <laughs> Every seems, image is crazy. Yeah, it, it seems, it seems uh, insane, so I'm really excited about that, and I'm excited that we're uh, getting a little bit more of, of, like, we're getting Lois Lane. There's, there's talk that we're going to get lucky. Luther later in the season so it's like yeah why not like just just go for it stop being like well he's in the movie so i don't really want people to get confused forget about it just to have him just to have him show up so splash bro yeah, we yeah, got yeah. different ones let's yeah, make this yeah, happen just, let's just roll with it and move on with our lives and i'm also excited about the indie news because i love grant morrison i will i read everything i'll read anything and everything he writes always I mean, and forever I, it's funny for me to be like the big indie guy whose recent book you might have heard of it's green lantern but he does both i was just listening to uh i was re-listening to to an interview Kevin Smith did with him for his Batman on Batman podcast, and I teared up at least three times. Mm. Uh, just I like the, guy, the way the guy thinks, and uh, good for him. Good for these creators getting uh, getting their deals. And so Happy's what? amazing, by the way. I don't know if you've checked out Happy on Sci-Fi, but it's uh, awesome. Based on his image comic, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, I love it. It's it's so good, and it's from the director of Mom and Dad and the Crank movies, and it's just amazing. So, a quick question for all of us: Why is Invisibles not attached to Warner Brothers and going to? Like a weird oh, CW so because version. Of, because of um, Vertigo? I mean, Vertigo's... Do, like, Swamp Thing's going to DC Universe yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. I don't, yeah, that's, that's an interesting question because it's like... Yeah, Vertigo is not is not their indie label, but it almost feels like it. I wonder if... It's I, their home for indie content. I feel like it's their experiment label. I yeah. feel like that's where they're like, let's try the waters and then greenlight a movie. And let's yeah. try the waters and greenlight a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know because the, the, the other big Vertigo book for me is 100 Bullets. And it'll be interesting to see. I know there's been talk of that forever. They getting adapted and stuff like that. It is so cinematic. It's happening. so like set yeah. up for either a show or a Don't do series. a movie. You can't do a movie. Yeah, it's got to be serialized. Yeah. Otherwise, like, the whole plot doesn't really like. Yeah, it, we there's do a this lot. Thing. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on in that book. Every 20 uh, minutes is a new 100 Bullets. You're like, what's happening? Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't know what that means for the, for the good. And maybe it depends on the creators and their deals with them about how much they personally own of yeah. it. That's a good question. I don't There's know. a lot we don't know about the the sort of it was the home for what we would now think of as creator owned books, but we don't actually know the deals on who owns what over at Vertigo. Yeah. But it is the place where Grant Morrison did a lot of his most notable work. For instance, the Doom Patrol work yeah. that we are about to see all over our streaming screens, yeah, I yeah. guess. Uh, and all over our streams have already started to see, but will be expanding. Uh, he's a strong influence there. Invisibles is about a bunch of super weirdo uh, anarchist revolutionary types, um, and so that should be 
a lot of fun, but doesn't have to necessarily be connected to other stuff, which is why it does make sense to develop on its own. Also, if I recall correctly, that was handed out on the set of The Matrix. Graphic novels of The Invisibles was the Wachowskis were like, hey, read this. That's that makes amazing. so much sense. Yeah. That makes wow. so yeah. much sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, also, if you rewatch Blade, holy crap, that time, like 98, 99, the tone also, of those movies. Also, we're getting way off track, but Dark City, <laughs> if you haven't checked out Dark oh, City, yeah. I mean, come on. Dark City's amazing. All of these comic themed things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This totally plays. I, yeah. I do you have to give a like just our highest recommendation possible go check out black hammer check out pretty much everything jeff lemire does he is a powerhouse i have heard a story that he wrote his first graphic novel while he was working in a restaurant wrote and drew at night his first graphic novel so it's amazing to see him like running the world now and having 18 million books and hopefully having a very nice payday for the black hammer it's over at dark horse it's a series of books and connected spinoffs there's a new one out today uh quantum age uh he's a genius you should check out those books. And also, I'm really Sweet Tooth. Yes. Sweet Tooth is great. Um, so I, it, it's something I would like to just throw out there into the universe. When we're adapting these amazing uh, uh, indie books with amazing art styles, just, let's cut the crap with just making it a straight live action because you, you lose something. Like, like with Sweet Tooth, I'd love it to be stop motion. <gasps> yeah. Like every time oh, I see like, like, oh, like oh, a Sweet, sweet Tooth. Yeah, I like know. Yes. Every time, every time, because there's the new Umbrella Academy comic, and every time I see press images for um, the Umbrella Academy show, I'm like... Spider-Verse is going to change everything. Spider-Verse is yeah. going to reset. It's going to change everything. Spider-Verse looks beautiful. When that changes the game, we'll start getting those things. Yeah, just, it's just Iron, Iron Man in 08. So much, this is. so much creativity is pumped into it. I, you'd want the people adapting it to to meet it with just as much creativity and be like, hey, maybe the traditional live action treatment isn't what this calls for. You know what I mean? Just saying. Just throwing that out there. So we've got an interview coming up, so we've got to power through a few of these. Okay. But I do want to mention as a Superman, this Dick Donner nod to Superman 2, beautiful. I just wanted to mention that. I love that they did that as a choice for marketing. But I need to talk about the Spider-Man combo of the PS4 and the Venom Magic because <laughs> this is a great thing. The Spider-Man PS4 game is doing gangbusters. It's huge. Turf War is what I hoped the second DLC was going to be. We did a thing on Collider Games where you can win a Xbox. Uh, talking about what the DLCs might be, and basically we hoped that it was going to be a Turf War situation because of the Black Cat, and then it's literally called Turf Wars, which is an amazing run in the 70s that covered Amazing Spider-Man, Peter Parker Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, and it was Hammerhead. It's a like 10-issue run that bounces around all different titles. If they're basing this off that because Hammerhead's in it, yes! November 20th, I get to find out, you get to find out, read comics. Uh, and also, Venom, making all the money. I'm one of the few that loved this movie, but I will say that no matter if you loved it or hate it, this making this much money I think is a good thing. We were talking about Disney Plus and how we might lose our Punisher and our Daredevil and those things because it's all under one umbrella. Sony making all this money is a good thing for diversity of studios. So $700 million means Spider-Man, yes, does stay at Sony, but that, I think, long-term keeps everything from being under one umbrella and us getting one type of film. So $700 million is a great thing overall, me thinks. So you're kind of selling me on the fact that I literally want different companies to be successful so that there's real competition, but like... I get kind of less excited the more it does because it means like that this is a really long-term thing and I want it to be on a really solid foundation. And I actually did have a good time watching that movie, but looking at it as the birth of a new, like, I, I don't, I don't know what we're in for (laughs) and I want it to live up to all of its success and I want it to be fully great. But like now the fact that every dollar it makes means we are more committed to this spider less Sony universe weirds me out a little. Oh, yeah. I get also, also, since uh, I love the character Venom, and I, too, enjoyed the movie, but I, Venom is one of my favorite Spider-Man antagonists, which means for this, I'm not going to see my favorite Venom villain, which is Spider-Man. Oh, I think, I think <laughs> this means we do get that sooner, because it means Maybe. the Marvel deal doesn't mean as much of them long-term, so yeah. after their six movies go away, they can still rent out Spider-Man, but that means that the Venom-verse Yay, is strong enough. Spider-Man. I am trying to be optimistic. Actually, I, I really am... like your perspective on it, because, because I enjoyed the movie, I enjoyed the movie, and I was happy it did well, because I liked the character, and, and Tom Hardy looked like he was having a blast in that movie, that was the and point. so I was happy for him. Um, but uh, I was, the more it made money, I was like, mm, I don't know how I feel about this, but I think the idea of, of studio diversity because uh, the Marvel movies are fantastic, but tonally they are very similar. Mm. <laughs> uh, and so this allows for 
differences. I want to see this Gonzo, Tom Hardy, Venom meet our Spider-Man we have. Yeah, yeah. And that's more likely to happen the better Venom does, in my opinion. Yeah. Because they won't then give up their Spider-Man. And now we can have a bigger budget for the Craven movie. We can have a bigger budget for the Silk movie. We can have like these things going forward that'll actually happen. Morbius, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Uh, so all those things, I think $700 million is a big testament to how popular that character is and how we don't need necessarily one studio to put their stamp on it and trust it. Yeah. So speaking of trusting a lot of different visions of things, uh, we will get back to a lot of these minor mutations in future weeks. I'm definitely going to have more to say about Jeremy freaking Irons and Watchmen. Uh, but we get to see a different version of the DC Universe right now on DC Universe, yes. and specifically on Titans. And we got to talk to the very first ever live-action Jason Todd. Yeah. Corinne Walters is in studio. So we're joined live in the studio by Jason Todd himself. Yes. How's it going, man? Thank you guys for having me. It's going good. How are you guys? Doing well. Good, yeah. good. I am digging the bold tone of the show. <laughs> I'm digging this take on Jason Todd. I love the clip, which we have. We'll cut to in a minute. Uh, there's so much about the show that I love. Yeah. What was it like, the question everybody has to ask, to find out you were Jason Todd? Oh, my gosh. It was a... Uh... I really can't explain it. I mean, I'm playing a superhero that has never been played in, what, 35 years since yeah. it was originally developed. Huge deal! Huge deal. Kind of a huge deal. Um, so it's history in the making, man. And, like, I'm the first one to ever portray it. So, like, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's just a great feeling. And yeah. I hope the fans dig it. So, Do you have a favorite version of Jason Todd, source material-wise, um, that you're keeping in mind? I always keep in mind the, you know, issue 408 and 409 when he's first introduced stealing the Batmobile. I mean, that's kind of his innocence and when Bruce first takes him in and everything. I mean, how can you not, right? So, yeah, I try to keep that in mind all the time. <laughs> and your character, like, you're the entire wiki article. You're the first one live. Yeah. You're the first one playing. <laughs> so you get to put a stamp on something that yes. no one else has. And you and I were talking before about Red Hood. Yes. Now, I love that you're Robin. All of them are different from each other. Yes. What is it that you, as an actor, are bringing to the role that can, like, plant seeds for Jason Todd since you're the first? Um, like you said, I'm the first one ever. So, in, in a way, there is that sense of pressure um, to bring the comic book Jason Todd to life. But also, I have the sense of freedom of playing the first Jason Todd ever. So that's, like, what I love doing about this, too. Yeah. I got to bring his, you know, develop his character arc and bring this fun, gritty Jason Todd who has this, you know, kind of chip on his shoulder. So, you know, he was just really fun to play. And, and the dy- dynamic between him and Dick is unreal throughout the show. And the fans are going to fall in love, hopefully. So, yeah. How has it been <laughs> behind the scenes? Welcoming. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Everyone on the set is amazing. Um, the cast is great, from stunt people to the makeup crew. Everyone's great. So uh. so we've seen, as of the time that this episode goes up, <laughs> we've seen you arrive. Yes. Uh, but in general, the world at large has to wait till this Friday to get like our first real uh. look. But we here at Collider Heroes do have a minute, which I'm very, very excited to share, that we're going to play right now. Sneak peek. This is awesome. Robin and Robin in action. Who the hell are you? Jason Todd. The new Robin. Robin 2.0, right? Hey, seriously, man. It's an honor to meet you. This moment is going to be like, I never thought that wouldn't happen to be saving your life. So there's a new Robin, eh? Yours truly, in the flesh. Does Batman know you're here? Of course. Bruce knows how badly I've always wanted to meet you. Pick your brain, catch a couple pointers. He's all, go for it, bro. Hey, let me go grab him close. I'll be right back. And a skip away. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So that is... To my knowledge, the first fist bumps between two Robins in television cinema history. History. That's that's a moment because Robins to me are a unit now. Yeah. The way the comics are going, there's Batman and like uh, Robins yeah. plural. Oh, 100 percent. How cool was that moment? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, even the little the waiting too. Yeah. It was like, uh, okay, here we go. Um, yeah, it was great, and I think you get kind of a glimpse of the relationship in that order. Um, you kind of see Dick like hesitant, like you know he's a new Robin, almost jealous in a way. So yeah, man, it kind of sets up the tone of the show too it was an interesting choice they made to make it this dynamic of he hasn't quite moved like he's trying to leave it behind but he hasn't fully left it behind and you're clearly going to push him in a certain direction Uh, is there anything you're very excited about that you that we're heading towards that you're excited to get to explore um 
just the whole dynamic of Jason. Uh, you know, obviously Dick hasn't really left that behind, and Jason thinks Robin is being the coolest thing ever. So I think bringing that to life is just going to be awesome for the comic book fans and for myself, of course. Um, yeah, just just to bring him to life, just Jason Todd himself. Yeah, I mean, first time ever. You know Not what action. I mean? Yeah, like history. Yeah, and that clip for me, <laughs> the moment in that clip beyond the fist bump was the yellow in the cape. The okay. the image of the yellow in the cape is what I think of a Jason Todd. Like that flash of yellow, like the inside of his cape being that color. For, for some reason, that's the most like, oh! Yeah, yeah. and uh, you can notice their, their costumes are a little bit different. They, they augment? Yeah, and kind of like their personalities. You know, Dick's costume is a little darker, mm-hmm. like his personality. Jason's is a little tiny bit brighter, kind of right. like his personality. You know what I mean? So I think that was kind of cool how they did that. Yeah, I was wondering what it was like for you knowing the comic, knowing the like 408 and 4.9, and then putting on the suit. Like what was that mental like adjustment of, oh, this is me now? <laughs> it is cool. Um, like Brenton said in uh, one of his interviews, I really didn't feel like I was Robin until I put on that chest plate mm-hmm. and the cape. And for that moment, I was like, all right, this is badass. Like, this is, <laughs> this is it. I'm Jason Todd. So, yeah. I mean, you, how could you not be so happy to play a superhero? You know what I mean? It's just so cool. And it's something like, at least I did when I was a kid, I like, dreamed of playing, like, being a superhero. Oh, yeah, like, man, you're quite heroes. Yeah, this is absolutely. You know what I mean? <laughs> absolutely. And you were playing one with a, a very famous and particular mm-hmm. legacy. I'm not asking for spoilers, but it's interesting that that uh, I don't know what would would you be excited to play possible future incarnations of this character? Absolutely, um, you know this character obviously has a lot of history, and um, yeah, it'd be fun to get to that point. But um, we don't know anything yet. But I would love to do it. What I love about the the legacy of Jason Todd is yes. that the. The Joker is so integral to his character, mm-hmm. and then his comeback so integral to the character. But at the end of the day, when you think of Jason Todd, you still think of the innocence. And you still think of that kid. To me, I still think of like, ah! Oh, 100%. And yeah, that's yeah. so much because of him being beaten out of a yeah. crowbar. Like, it's amazing that you that's still... That's why I was trying to dance around it, but yes. And that's a comic, that's a comic <laughs> know, book reference from de- And you feel ago. bad for him so much, too, because what he's been through with his parents and whatnot. You know right. what I mean? And, and kind of raising himself on the street until Bruce brought him in. And then you see this kid, after, you know, he's so happy to be Robin, get beat to death. Right. And, and whether and you're like, like, we might not ever get there, but the fact that you still see because him Because he innocent. was not loved exactly. enough by the fan base. So show up. Clap <laughs> if you believe in Jason Todd. <laughs> There'll be no phone polls in Titans this week. <laughs> but I, I love that at the end of the day, you're playing him that way. And I love that in that one minute clip, we see that innocence of Jason Todd. Absolutely. We see that bubbly personality. That's what it, I... The polarity between you and, and Dick Grayson is so important. Exactly. Was it something you discussed with him? Um... Not not necessarily, but we, we kind of knew both where our characters were, and I think that was made great chemistry. Um, obviously, Dick's character is a lot darker, and like you said, I brought that, you know, kind of like jittery, like oh, cockiness to my character, which is Jason Todd. Um, so, yeah, I think we both did a great job at dynamically, like, separating our characters in a way, so, mm-hmm. but it How was fun. How for the action side of it? Okay, which so... Which is impressive, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I did all my stunts. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, no. Um, so, we had a great stunt team on set. Um, you know, when we weren't filming, they would train with us, you know, off and on set, actually. Um, and I just... Whatever they were comfortable with us doing, we did. And whatever, like, I could do, like, we, I did some punches, some kicks. So I would have to say it was, like, 60-40. I mean, I've, obviously, I'm not doing the back flips and the front flips and stuff. So, But, yeah, I, I did as much as I could what we had time for. <laughs> right. Yeah, being primarily. part of a team. That's exactly. the key, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with this show, they're building an entirely new universe that's making its own canon. Yes. So you get to play with a lot of mythology. You get to build your own mythology. And it's the first show on an entirely new yeah. platform. What's the feedback been like? Like, you've been in that tease. You've had yeah. your one moment. What's this week been like for you since you're the beginning of something? Yeah, oh, we get to have you now. What's the deal? Yeah, crazy. you're about to change. I mean, even last week, <laughs> the feedback was insane from just Jason Todd showing up for, like, what? 20 seconds mm-hmm. you know so this week's been crazy people are like the fan base is like oh my god jason todd episode jason todd episode um so i'm stoked man i'm stoked to see what this week brings and the ratings have been great i mean the dc universe has done well beyond expectations and this is awesome so yeah yeah jason todd as a solo character is one of my favorites awesome, uh, because I, i'm like a 90s okay. DC comic yeah. guy and when he went off on his own adventures and there were like the side characters yeah. they built around him that was my cool. jason todd yeah. uh so i personally love that you're playing a character that you can have that option this world yeah. can build out you can expand with these things so that clip to me was the closest we got to seeing yeah, yeah. like that that that's pretty cool built yeah. out what do you want you as an actor to get to portray like what are what are your when you were first reading the script you were like i want to bring this to something or i want to are there any stories that you feel you want to bring out of them mm, i wanted the fans to feel what they felt in the comics 
just so they have i mean like i said earlier like i have this somewhat pressure on me but you know something this is that i want to make the fans happy of course you always want to make the fans happy but i wanted to feel like i did my best work at making history of the character and i feel like i did that so i don't know just bringing jason todd you know his his everything about him to life yeah yeah He's well, fun. You as a human, what uh, what other what other things you want to do? Want to do plays? You want to like a Michael Bay movie? Like, what do you as <laughs> hey, an man. actor? I I mean, as an actor, I I really want to transition into the movies. Of course, I mean, doing a Batman movie down the road. I mean, that would be awesome. Who knows? Yeah, I'm just putting that out there. Um, <laughs> Hello, internet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, anything. So anything that's gonna get you to the next step as an actor. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, have yeah. there been any big surprises along the way when you were like, going to do this, going to be a superhero, we're on set, what's happening? Not really. Nice. I was kind of prepared for everything, which is awesome. Um, you know, when you have a great team like that, they, they make sure you're good and you're mm-hmm. set. So, yeah. Well, fun. you're on Collider Heroes, which is about all things comics. Cool. So, my general question, what is a favorite comic moment of yours? Any house, anything, anything that jumps out? You mentioned 408 and 409, but what are, what are some of your favorite... I'm gonna have to go with 408 and 409. I'm, okay. gonna to, I'm gonna have to go when he's stealing the Batmobile tires. Just because myself, before I booked the role of Jason Todd, I wasn't a comic nerd. I didn't, I really didn't know comics. Yeah. I knew Dick Grayson, Welcome. Batman. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I'm here now. <laughs> I'm here to say, hopefully. Um, and so I would have to say, for me, and of course it touches home for me, was when he stole the bat, the bat tires. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then in 409, when Jason takes off that Red Hood mask. Or in the Red Hood movie, sorry, when he takes mm-hmm. off the Red Hood mask and they have that face-to-face, you kind of get a glimpse of, you know, who Jason really is still and how he forgives Bruce and their dynamic, him and Bruce. So, yeah, he's fun. He's just a fun character. So. so looking towards that dynamic that you could grow into, you're planting essentially seeds for that Jason because you get to see him at the beginning of his journey, but you already have some of these iconic moments to draw on as you start that journey. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, we'll see where, where the show goes. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm here for the ride, just like you guys. <laughs> and, and it's a great ride yeah, so far. It's and fun. It's fun. I mean, the character has so much so much history and so much backstory. It's so fun. Yeah. And yeah. he's, he's a, a source of different energy on the show. Which oh, 100%. Like that, that whole he brings his light to the show. You know what I mean? So and I think that's something that we needed right now because the show is really dark, which is awesome. The fans have loved it. But I think to see something different mm-hmm. right now, halfway through the season, is going to blow people's minds. So. Okay. Do you want to meet... This universe is Tim Drake someday. I mean, of course. I mean, the more superheroes, the better. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, if I could, I'd bring every superhero to life. I want all the Robins. I want Damian Wayne. I mean, why not? Stephanie. I, want, I want just a pile <laughs> yeah, of Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, of course, whether it's in our show or not, I mean, that'd be awesome to have a, a live action. So, yeah. I'd be curious what the what how how you would imagine the dynamic for like just all the Robins at once. What would, what would distinguish Jason Todd <laughs> in that group for you? Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. The punk? Ah, in a way. Yeah. I mean, the badass. <laughs> that's the thing about Robins is I love that every single Robin has that thing where they're like, I'm the best because, but they all, oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah. all stand in a circle and go like. But at the same time, you're all Robin. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a good question. I think that actually was the perfect Jason Todd answer. I'm very happy. Okay. <laughs> I'm and I to be like, excuse me. Uh, yeah. I think you're. I'm really getting into character as a kid. Just lives in it. So this episode airs on Friday. Uh, your life's about to be very different very Gosh. quickly. Uh, I mean, like you're you're a step from action figures, Comic Con, life yeah, changes, man. all these things. Is there anything you are? Uh, excited about like fortifying like are you excited for comic cons are you excited for yeah you know i've, I've never actually been to a comic con so i think that will change next year hopefully um like you said action figures and shirts and whatnot i think that's gonna be awesome and i'm not gonna believe it till i see it probably <laughs> yeah. um so that's all gonna be crazy to me and i'm here to stay and you know this is this is crazy it's a comic world i've done a lot of acting but the comic world is like no other like once you in the comic world there's no way out and mm-hmm. like i love it so far and it's just amazing it's, yeah. it's huge, man. Yeah. Congrats. You're the thank f- you. Not only are you in the comic world, you're the first of an iconic character. Oh, you're shaping you, a world. Thank you. Uh, Role originated by <laughs> uh, for the live action screen. Uh, will you come visit us once you've been to a Comic Con and we can talk? Absolutely. I'm excited. Yeah, I didn't want. Of course, I, like, you guys are amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's all little plants and teases. We've had a minute of you and 20 seconds of you. I'm excited to like we'll do this you guys again are awesome. once we can talk about stuff. Yeah, of course. So as this world expands, we'll have you back. We'll talk, Jason Todd. Of course. Perfect. Of course. Let's do it. Awesome. Well, this episode's on Friday, so you'll get to meet Jason Todd for more than 20 seconds. Uh, I'm excited to see this show expand, this world grow, and congratulations. Congratulations, man. You are the first. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Nice to meet you. Yes, you too. Thank you for having me. So now we're going to cut back to Koi and Amy and get back to comic bookie stuff. So thanks, guys.
So that was in my headcanon, the future Red Hood, and I'm very excited to see that man turn dark. Uh, Jason Todd is in 3D. It was so cool talking to him and hearing about the insanity of that show. I'm really excited to see more and to see how his Robin develops. Absolutely. Uh, That episode will drop on Friday. Uh, And in the meantime, you can fill your time with some wonderful, wonderful comic books. We have a pull list. You want to start this off? Yes, because this book I'm really excited about. Yeah, this was both of our number one draft picks. Uncanny X-Men number one. The Uncanny X-Men are back. This title hasn't been going for a while, and as a collector, it is a bittersweet number one to figure out where catalog. (laughs) So luckily they put tiny legacy numbering in the corner that says 620. Um, And the X-Men haven't actually been gone. They've had, until recently, red, gold, blue, and they're in the middle of the black mini-series of one-shots. So lots of rainbow-colored books for the X-Men collapsed into a slightly easier to keep track of Uncanny X-Men number one, uh, which will be followed, we'll we'll get into this in a sec, by three months of weekly books. Um, So it'll immediately become tough to get track of again, but basically I'm thrilled. This is very exciting. Uh, And I'm also incredibly excited about Wonder Woman number 58. Now, this is artist Carrie Nord inside. That's a Dodson cover you're looking at. The interior art is fantastic. Fantastic, uh, but a very different style. It is the beginning of G. Willow Wilson writing Wonder Woman, which I am so incredibly excited about. Our third book is Amazing Spider-Man number nine. If you're playing the Spider-Man game, especially the DLCs with Black Cat, you may want to cross-promote to the comic world because they know what they're doing. Black Cat is very important in this book. We'll talk about that in a minute. Our next one is a a new indie that I'm thrilled about and that DJ put at the top of his list, or at least on on the list. Bitter Root number one from Image Comics. Yeah, it's the same same creative team from uh, Luke Cage Iron Fist. Uh, So, you know, I'm going to grab it because I love that book. Artist Sanford Green is amazing. It is 1920s Harlem Renaissance with monsters. Uh, I am so psyched for it. Uh, and finally, and our fifth book, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a tie because there's another one I had to plug. They're both by Donny Cates. Our fifth book is Cosmic Ghost Rider number five, and also <laughs> pick up a six book for Venom number eight. Donny Cates, friend of the show, m- most metal writer at Marvel. This book is so much fun and it's insane. And Whoa, Cosmic he Ghost works Riders. at the same company as Jason Aaron. Mm-hmm. Clearly, that's a tie. That's a really tricky level of metal. They're both very hardcore. <laughs> I, I will give, but one's like Norse metal, one's like '90s hair metal. Yes, like, so. okay, there you go. Fair. You can disc changer. Six CD changer. They're both rocking out. In honor of Stanley, please insert these characters as a hairband and several <laughs> other metal people in the comics. Also, speaking of metal, doesn't Murder Falcon 2 come out this week, too? It does! It's a very metal week in comics. Yeah. It's so good! So, yeah, Venom number 8 is insane. We didn't have room for that on there, but it's good. Check it out. The Cosmic Ghost Rider is a very, very cool book. The characters, it's just like that kid that just was like, what if? And yeah, that yeah. book is now like selling like gangbusters. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's my favorite Marvel book right now. Also, yeah. is that saying a lot? And it really wraps up the mini this week, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah but he, the character's going to continue on in the new Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. yeah. So it is... I want a, the action figure, by the way. Especially... The, why? That it. should exist. Yeah, get on it. It is especially poignant that this week, uh, as we mark the passing of an absolute legend, uh, we have both Uncanny X-Men and Amazing Spider-Man on our list, uh, and... We didn't even get a chance to mention that the 700th issue of Avengers is coming out this week, which I'm a little mad at because it's Avengers number 10, and they just wrote 700th issue on it in big letters. Uh, but it's that's, 10 parentheses 700? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very uh, legacy number. This is, a, this is an issue that comics have. Wonder Woman with Jewel Wilson would probably get more attention if it was a number one, but then I'd be mad at it, too. No. I don't know. I'll never be satisfied, but comics will continue forever. So that's three books that Stanley kicked off, and that, yeah. that is amazing. That is, that is a hell of a thing to be running for that long and yeah. for one of those to meet a effectively 700th issue is a testament to the world he built and how strong these characters are uh uncanny x-men number one how excited is the store for that book oh so excited because three months of number ones mm-hmm. it's ridiculous uh uh yeah, the, you got to check it out. There's a team writing it. They're all working on the X-Men mythos together. Uh, Ed Brisson, Kelly Thompson, a couple more people. Uh, and it is followed by a weekly uh, for a couple of months. And they're, the, the X-Men are back in a title that you remember, that you can easily go get, and you definitely should. Although, keep reading X-Men Red as we've been plugging. Oh, it's so good, Tom Taylor. So, uh, we only have time for one Twitter question this week, and it's got to be quicker than the actual Twitter question itself, because we've got to, to wrap up. We had, we had an interview today that was great, so we had to be succinct. Now, this question asked for ten, but we're going to do one. It is sweaty question of the week. With the sad news of the passing of the great Stan Lee, could you guys on Hashtag Clatter Heroes do a top ten of his best comics? I need to expand my knowledge. Thanks, and Excelsior. Thank you so much, Daniel. 
uh, let's all give our one, and then on Twitter, tweet us, and we can absolutely have this conversation Please. with time. That was no. one of many uh, tribute tweets sent to us that I just wanted to acknowledge. Thank you all for being with us in this moment. DJ, do you have a top one? Uh, yeah, probably check out his uh, his fantastic forum, Jack the King Kirby. Uh, it's w- where all this stuff started. Um, you can't. There is no better artist than J- Jack Kirby. Uh, you get a lot of iconic stuff like Galactus, Silver Surfer, Black uh, yeah, Black Panther, all that stuff, all on that all on that run. So so pick a spot and start. Um, I will recommend a spot because my top uh, issue, despite being an X-Men girl to, till the day I die, like, uh, read Fantastic Four 51. This man, this monster. Uh, it is genuine poetry. It is beautiful. It is epic. It is one issue of story that will stick with you forever. My singular issue, but I recommend the whole run, is Amazing Spider-Man number 33. It's my favorite cover. It's my favorite moment of Spider-Man. It was just referenced in Homecoming. If This Be My Destiny is the cover with Steve Dicko art of him just lifting the world and just being, it's more about the heart of Spider-Man than the strength of Spider-Man. And that, to me, speaks to Spider-Man. There's so much iconic, iconic imagery, and there's so much Stan Lee in that book. It is really a testament to his writing and his prowess mm-hmm. as a creator. So, Amazing Spider-Man 33 is my pick. And, once again, thank you all so much for your support this week. Uh, the internet's been really incredible. Um, we, we all had posts, and everyone really chimed in. And, and heroes, you are just amazing. None of us were truly ready for it, but we will all keep appreciating the legacy he has left for literally the rest of our lives. Yeah. So thanks, and until next week, stay stay sweaty. sweaty. Hey, everybody. Mark Ellis here. Thanks for watching this episode. You want to watch more? Then click up here, or you can click right here for more great content from Collider. If you haven't subscribed to Collider Video, do so right now and share this vid with your friends. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to another episode of Collider Heroes. We had a teen titan in the house today, so I want to tell you, if you're a DC fan, you will definitely want to check out the latest live-action series, Titans, available now on DC Universe. Now, this series premiered on October 12th, and new episodes are available to stream every single Friday, and it is the first original series to launch on the DC Universe. It follows a group of young, soon-to-be superheroes featuring Dick Grayson as Robin, Rachel Roth as Raven, Corey Anders as Starfire, Gar Logan Beast Boy, and as we now know, Jason Todd as another Robin. Titans, yes! The group gets caught up in a conspiracy to bring about hell on earth they become a surrogate family and a team of heroes just like a team book should read the teen show team show does as well it is a gritty take on the teen titans franchise from executive producers akiva goldsman jeff johns greg berlanti greg walker sarah Schechter, john fawcett and titans explores one of the most popular comic book teams ever and it is available only on the dc universe which you can use on all your favorite devices and it's only 7.99 a month or 20 percent off if you buy a yearly membership which is totally a bargain because not just does it feature this show, it's got comic books. You can read comics for a mere $7.99 a month or 20% off for a year. And there's other great stuff too. So check out Titans on the DC Universe app. And this is the ultimate DC membership at dcuniverse.com. Join up and thanks for listening to Clatter Heroes.